for the touch of your lips, dear, but much more for the touch of your whips, dear. You can raise welts like nobody else as we dance to the masochism tango. Tonight on the show, I am honored and privileged to be able to interview this guy. This is an actor who I've actually been following for a really long time. And it's funny because you never know when you're going to actually get to interview people that made a difference as far as like things that you watched growing up or or things like that. And one of the things I love about this show is that I've been privileged to be able to reach out to people and they actually reach back. So... Without further ado, please welcome Chuck Klausmeyer. Well, hello, Aaron. It's so great to finally meet you. It's been a long time in the making. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So, so many stops and starts with this. Like, seriously. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, how many times did we set something up and then cancel, uh, you yeah, know, yeah, it's COVID, like, uh, an you ill got, pet, right. uh, you know. You got COVID. Crazy. Then I yeah. got COVID. <laughs> <laughs> then my dog got COVID. I mean, it was crazy. Oh, we got, yeah. yeah, we're it was totally yeah. insane. So, um, so this movie, I originally saw this as the original title of this film was Spring Break Sorority Babes. Not true. Let me just Ooh. say uh, a little, just a little fun fact. Oh, Straight I love it. Eight. Yes, it, it was called Can It Be Love oh, from that's... from the get. It was okay. called Can It Be Love from the get. Okay. And then, um, and I did the film and then years later, like I, I had never seen, I saw, I went to the premiere and it was, can it be love? And then somebody said they saw this beach movie of, with me on, you know, HBO or Showtime or something like that. And I said, can it be love? And they go, no, it wasn't called, can it be love? <laughs> and then I finally found out it was spring break sorority babes. And I'm like, hmm, that's probably a better title for it. But well, uh, I mean, it, I guess at the time, the time period that this movie was released, I'm not really necessarily talking about the time that it was made, but the right. time that it was released, the 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 direct-to-video jiggle and giggle genre was very big. And so it Is was- Is that a thing? Jiggle oh, and giggle? Jiggle and I giggle. I love that. I didn't, I didn't know that. Absolutely. That would be fall under the with movies like, such as Hard Bodies would fall under that category and right. Hard Bodies too. Um, right. So so it kind of was one of those ones that came and went as far as on my radar. Like I saw it was like, uh, but then I actually watched it and I was like, this is way better than it has any right to be. <laughs> like this is a script with a heart. This has an amazing soundtrack. These two dudes are actually good actors. Um, I care what happens to the characters. And I really honestly was like, <laughs> just waiting on pins and needles for y'all to find the girl with the, with the rose tattoo, with the tattoo, right? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it really, as far as plots go, it's, it's you know, you can write it on a postage stamp. See yeah. as many girls naked as you can to find this clue that'll be worth $300 million. Yeah. Right. And what I love about the movie is that it has all these little, like, side things that happen in the film where you're kind of like, wait, what? <laughs> like, when they do, when they talk to um to David and Tim and they're like, 
she is the daughter of Steven Strata. And they're like, the skateboard kid? And I'm like, who the f- who's the skateboard kid? <laughs> like, what inside joke is this? And I still haven't talked to the other screenwriter. I know uh-huh. that there's probably a story behind that at some point, you know? Like, I'm like, who's the skateboard kid? Because I'm looking this up. Like, Strata, <laughs> who is this person? They're like, yeah, they I just- believe it's make-believe. Right, make- just made it up. Yeah. Just made it up for the movie. Yeah. And- yeah, because on its surface, it is very much a dude's trying to see women naked for the entire film, which really it is. I mean, it, it is an totally. to see. It's literally in the plot line. It's, it's in like the you, plot line. I need you guys to see as many naked. of the Delta naked as possible, she says. <laughs> okay, we're in. And like, all right. But <laughs> I like the fact that it, there's this sort of juxtaposition with these two male characters. You have the one male character who doesn't really, I mean, yes, he would like to get laid and he would like to see women naked, but he ain't wearing it on his sleeve. No, no, (laughs) he's wearing his heart on his sleeve. Yeah. Like the other character is right. And the other one is pretty much like, oh Lord, you know, like, I mean, you could not, you know, as we always say, these are products of their time. And Mm. this is not the kind of movie that would be able to even remotely be released today. Um, hashtag never again hashtag no (laughs) (laughs) i'm sorry you want to do what (laughs) right right make a movie where guys just want to see girls naked throughout the entire oh no you can't do that anymore sorry not gonna happen yeah um all right so i know that you have a almost like a popular fan base for a movie called the unnameable and the unnameable two um yes so what came first <laughs> no so it enameable is before this movie because this movie came out in 1990 did it come out in 1990 it did <laughs> but i don't know when you guys shot it because i actually don't have information about the shooting or like when y'all filmed yeah i, I yeah i you know honestly i don't remember what year it was either i mean it was <laughs> a bit of a blur in, in a lot of ways but but i can tell you that uh, unnameable uh this movie actually was shot between Unnameable oh. and Unnameable 2. Oh, wow. That's a, that's a fact. Okay. And um, so, yeah, Unnameable, I know, was shot in 1987. I just know that because that was the year I moved to Los Angeles. Okay. How wild. It literally was just ridiculous. I did a, a, I did a, I did a, a workshop, an actor's workshop, where you have to do a monologue and a scene and, mm-hmm. you know, People are invited to come to it and nothing ever comes of them, but you do them anyway, because you got to do something, you know? <laughs> and afterwards, this guy walked up to me and said, Hey, you know, you were really great. And I said, well, thanks very much. And he said, I'm Jean-Paul Ouellette. I said, I'm Chuck Klausmeyer. He says, uh, Hey, um, I've, I've got a couple of horror movies. I, I'd, I'd like you to, uh, you know, look at. And I said, yeah, great. He said, can I send you the scripts? I'm like, absolutely. And he sent me a script and it was for unnameable. And I read it and he's like, you know, I'm like, wow, this is great. You know? And, uh, and then he said, okay, well, I'll, I'll let you know when we're casting. And then he called me in for what I thought was going to be an audition, but he had just given me the part. It was for me to read (laughs) other people. That's awesome. That, that, that was like, I mean, it was, it was too good to be true. It was too easy. When I first got to LA, just, you know, it was too easy. It's everything was just too easy. And that's not good long-term, you know, because when it stops being easy, then you're like, Hmm, what is going on? That's something. That's right. what that's what I hear about a lot of the, a lot of the people that I tend to interview are, are from 
like people that actually moved to Los Angeles in the 86, 87 mm-hmm. in that, in that era. Right. And they all say the same thing. It's like, you know, I came out here and then my brother came out here and then my sister came out here and then we all made a movie and then we made another movie and then we decided to put each other in each other's movies. And it's this very different scenario than I've heard my recent people who have been out in Los Angeles tell like their, 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 their new story is not good. (laughs) Right, right, right. There's a lot of like, you know, I got this guy and then I know this person and then I met that person and then this person, I might get fingers crossed, you know, yeah. it's like, wow. Okay. So that yeah. is different. So let's talk about the origin of Chuck. Like what made you want to become an actor? Well, I, I think it, uh, I, I, I mean, honestly, it's, it's a really stupid story, but I was in the, um, I was in the sixth grade and the teacher asked me to take something down to the auditorium to give to a teacher who was holding auditions for a play. And I came in, I don't even know if I gave the thing to the teacher or not, because I came in and I watched what the kids were doing on the stage. And I thought, uh, they're terrible. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, in typical actor fashion, the of first course. thought was, I could do that better. I can do better than that. And so they were and they were it was they were auditioning for Mr. Grumpy's toy shop. And so so I uh just I went up to the teacher and I said, Hey, um, you know, I'm here to give you this. I, I guess I gave it to her. I said, Can I audition? And she said, Sure. And so I did, and I wound up getting the part. And it was like, uh, you know, I got Mr. I played Mr. Grumpy. And so the, <laughs> then, you know, my mom came to see it. She saw that I was interested in it. So she said, you know, well, they're they're doing a they're doing uh community theater uh, in Fells Point, because I grew up in Baltimore, and they they were doing Cat on a Hot Tin Roof, and they needed no-neck monsters. I'm 11 years old at this time, you know? And she takes me down to the audition. I get it. And and as you know, the no-neck monsters, I mean, that's that's, it's like, I had one line, what you doing on the floor, Uncle Brick? (laughs) And, you know, and so I was bored out of my mind most of the time. and, And so... I, uh, on the, t- uh, the dress rehearsal afterwards, I'm sitting through the notes. It's so laborious because I don't get any notes. There's nothing. I'm just like playing with my toes and whatever. And, uh, and he says, Oh, and Chuck. And I'm like, what? He goes, yeah, uh, I have a note for you. I'm like, really? What is it? He says, um, <clears throat> it's one line, not the third act of Hamlet. <laughs> so I had to have my mom explain to me what that meant on the way Aww. home. But but I got it and I took it and I was like, okay, you know, too much. All right, I'll back off. But anyway, and that's how it happened. Then I just did I just did plays, you know, in, in school and I did community theater, you know. Um, I did community theater like crazy. And uh then I did dinner theater and ultimately, you know, just uh moved to New York, went to the American Academy of Dramatic Arts. My very first audition, another uh, easy. My very first audition after graduation was for uh, a replacement in a Broadway show called O Calcutta. Oh, no, you're see, familiar. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a Broadway nerd, so yes, I am very familiar with O Calcutta. Okay. <laughs> well, I I did O Calcutta for wow. I, I did it for about a year on Broadway. I went to Israel and Norway with it. Oh my 
Uh, it was literally my first audition. And I'm telling you when, I, like, you know, when you go to the American Academy of Dramatic Arts, you, they, they give you tickets to all the Broadway shows, you know, oh, cause you're right there in Manhattan. It's that's so awesome. Cool. Wow. Um, and so I saw everything. Oh, Calcutta was always on the board. There were always seats for Oh, Calcutta. And I had seen the play and I was horrified by it. I thought, <laughs> oh, there's no way I could do that. There's no way I could do that. And, uh, but, you know, I read backstage the, the day after I graduated and I'm like, that it was an open equity call, you know, so I didn't have to be equity. Of course, I was in equity at the point. And I go, uh, they want two monologues and two songs. I'm like, what a great chance to, you know, exercise my audition. And oh, wow. so- I go and they called me back and I'm like, what? I go, okay, I'll go back a second time. And then they called me back a second time. And I called my mom and I said, mom, I don't know if I can do this. <laughs> you know, this is, I mean, it's like, he's just like, well, this is, would they pay you? I'm like, yeah, they would pay me. It's a Broadway show, you know, but it's like, I would have to get naked. Yep. And she goes, well, will you get your equity card? <laughs> go mom. <laughs> Hashtag stage mom. Anyway, uh, and uh, yeah, and so I said, yeah. And she goes, well, and so so I did it. And it turned out it was great. It was very freeing to be completely naked in front of 500 strangers, you know. But yeah, uh, I yeah. I was up for hair. And oh, and yeah. so and the same same deal. But unfortunately, I was in my 20s and I had one of those boyfriends when that a lot of women have in their 20s where they're very like, oh, no, absolutely not. No one's going to see my girlfriend naked. That's never going to happen. You go tell them you're not doing the show. And of course, mm. I'm in my 20s. So I'm just like, oh, my God, he must really care about me. Right now, I'm 43. And I'm like, God, you know? yeah, <laughs> uh, fully. I do now what I, you know, whatever. Like, I wish mm. I wish I knew then what I know now. Um, yeah. Yeah. I would have done it. You know, but yeah, I, I get it. No, so you said, oh, Calcutta. I was like, oh, goodness. Yeah, I played every role uh, in, in the every male role in the show. Wow. It was it, they what they did was um, is they had it set so that they would switch to keep it fresh because it was running, you know, eight shows a week for since 1969, Amazing. basically. Yep. And so you would you know, you had to know all the male roles. And then, you know, on the weekends, you'd play this set of male roles. And during the week, you'd play this set of male roles. And you just, you came in, you know, and you said, okay, all right, I'm playing that, you know. And there were times when when things screwed up and suddenly I'm dressing for the doctor in the doctor sketch when I'm really supposed to be the patient in the doctor sketch and <laughs> stuff like that. Anyway. So you're living, so at that point you're doing theater, you're living out in New York city, then you're actually like yeah. actually living there. Wow. That must've been hard as far as just. I, I moved there when I was 19. I didn't know any better. And you know, this is back when, um, if you saw the deuce at all. Oh yeah, absolutely. Right. That's what it looked like. You know, I mean, of course this is 1984 and I did all right. Then I was there for three years and I was doing the last year was, uh, doing Ocal Cut on Broadway. And I came out here in 1987, you know, I'm wearing my John Cusack overcoat and my uh, combat <laughs> boots. And it's it's raining in New York. Uh, it's February. It's raining, but it had been snowing. So there's slush in the streets. And I step off the plane here in LA and it's 72 and sunny. And I'm like, what is what? happening? Right. What is happening? I took an eight week sabbatical to come out here for the pilot season. And I, four weeks later, I called the show and said, I'm not coming back. I'm going to stay here. And I've been here ever since. Wow. Okay. So talk about pilot season. So did you, did you just like 
throw caution to the wind and just like, I'm moving to LA and I'm going to get a pilot. Or did you have like a, did, did, did somebody drop something in your ear? Like, Hey man, if you come out here, they're giving up, they're giving up sitcoms. Like, <laughs> well, no, I, I, it was my agent in New York, you know, just like my agent in New York was just sort of frustrated with me doing no Calcutta, you know, he like, I, you know, I like all, all I, I, he got me a couple of like small things in, in small, small movies uh, and a couple of like, you know, I was, I was an under five on every soap that was in New York. Um, and, uh, you know, and, and he, you know, he just couldn't get me in another show cause I was doing Oh Calcutta. <laughs> and when, uh, I said to him, Hey, you know, I was thinking of going to, to, uh, LA just to check it out. He said, go, go right now, go right now. It's pilot season now, go now. I'll connect you with an agent there and uh, we'll work together for your career. And he did. And, uh, and I just was like auditioning for everything. And I booked, uh, I booked a guest star spot in a, um, a, a one of the first cable series called Rocky Road. I don't think anybody's ever heard of it, but uh, it was about a, a group of uh, three kids whose parents died and left them an ice cream shop. And so they're raising themselves. Wow. In ice cream shop, you know, anyway. Um, but uh, yeah. And after I booked that, I was like, you know what? I think I'm going to stay here. And then, you know, and then I got the movie and then I got a, a, a play in L.A., I was working on an in an equity production in LA, which is, I mean, there's a lot of theater in LA, but very little equity theater. Oh, wow. And uh, yeah, it was just so much. And then I, I wound up on Days of Our Lives for about six months because of the writer strike. This is a this is a good story. While we're while we're still, you know, I'm I'm driving home from an audition or something, and my pager goes off because this is you know <laughs> the late eighties. And, uh, you know, so I go to a phone booth and I call my agent and I said, what's up? And he's like, how quick can you get to Sunset and Gower? And I go, what's at Sunset and Gower? And he's like, Gower Studios. And I'm like, okay, I've never been there. And he's like, uh, I go, I don't know, probably 45 minutes. You know, I look it up in the Thomas Guide. I'm like, 45 minutes, maybe. He goes, all right, I'll tell him a half hour. So just get over there right now. Uh, you're testing for Days of Our Lives. <gasps> Okay, I'm testing. What? So I'm not nothing. No script. No nothing. I get there. They take me. They hand me nine pages of something, oh, right? right? And they say you're playing Jack. I go, okay, all right. And so you know, memorize it. I'm like, what? Because <laughs> what? And like, yeah. And then they take me straight into wardrobe, and they're like, here, we're gonna put some clothes on you. I'm like, well, oh, okay. And then they take me, and I'm still looking at the script. And then they take me into makeup, and they're putting makeup on me, and I'm looking at the script. And then they shuffle me off to the the set where um, what was her name? Kayla. The the uh, I can't forget her the actress's name, but she played Kayla on the show. Yep. And, She's there and she's been working there all day, you know, Oh boy! and really not excited to be reading with potential Jacks because the <laughs> guy playing Jack is leaving her, leaving the show and they're replacing him. And uh, that's what I was auditioning for. So we read this scene and I mean, I just, I screwed it up every way, but Tuesday, I mean, I just, I, I was, you know, I just kept talking, you know, I, I, I was like, I had the gist of it. I was just making shit up and uh, she <laughs> was making shit up and we were just riffing, you know, we were just going wow. for like, eight, I knew how it ended and we ended it. And that was that. And uh, I left and um, they, you know, my agent calls me up and says, no, oh, no, you didn't get it. Uh, you know, you didn't get the con bad news, good news. Bad news, you didn't get it. Good news, they're giving you three days, you know, as a as a as a regular principal player. I go, okay. 
So even though like I didn't have many lines, it could have been an under five, but they didn't. They gave me a principal thing. So I go in and uh, I work three days and the writer strike happens. <laughs> oh, goodness. But, but it was good for me because what happened was is then the writers weren't on the show. And so the producers were writing because the show kept going. The producers mm. were writing the show. And so they just kept my character, Daryl Canby. They just kept writing crap for me to do to show up in this thing. So I, I was on the show for six months. Oh, my God. It started three days. I was on for six months. So That's hilarious. Yeah. Oh, my God. That's so cool. So you were on yeah. Days of Our Lives. Wow. That's insane. That makes sense, though, because you on the in, in Canopy Love, I mean, mm -hmm. you're gorgeous, but you're also oh. a damn good actor. And oh, that is. movie has a lot of dialogue. It is not a like you know, like, whoa, like girls titties, you know, I mean, there, there's yeah. moments like that. But for the most part, you know, the scenes with Tim and Dave talking back and forth in the car, yeah. or, you know, the philosophy scene on the beach, or right. any of those types of things. I mean, you guys are, you guys are playing off of one another. And the dialogue, it's very dialogue heavy. Um, I mean, obviously, mm -hmm. not compared to the theater, but uh, compared to other giggle and jiggle flicks for instance um yeah there's a lot of more character development i should say because you kind of you're you're rooting for i mean you're not really rooting for the one who wants to see like boobs yeah. all the time but you you're rooting for for, for tim but you yeah. are rooting for tim when i got into my 20s i um i came into like a little bit of money and one mm. of the things that i did was i started researching all of this stuff that like I had loved when I was a kid so I could own it. And one mm -hmm. of the things I really loved was I loved the soundtrack. So I'm like, uh, okay, who's Dillinger, right? And I'm looking it up. And of course there is a very famous band called Dillinger Escape Plan. Yeah. That's not them. That's not them at all, no. <laughs> nope. Um, but I managed to find online, and I remember it was very expensive. I managed to find the CD and I was like, oh my God you know, and I flip it over and I'm like, oh, it's all on here. Like all of the songs from the movie are on here. You know, it was such a huge deal. And I remember when it arrived and I was like, oh my God, I've wanted this since I was a kid, you know? Oh, that's um, cool. Yeah. And then I have, I've had my VHS, I've had this VHS copy since I was probably, you know, old enough to buy VHSs. I love this. <laughs> Suggested retail price, $89.95. I a different bought it for like $9.95. Yeah, yeah, as you should. That's yeah, it's as, worth it more. As you should. So you so you do unnameable, and mm -hmm. then how does Peter Maris get you for this? Because this is this isn't even shot in L.A. Unless I'm unless they decided, unless this is one of those things yeah. where they did shoot it in L.A. and I didn't know it because it looks very Florida. It is Florida. Yeah, the whole thing was shot in Florida. All of those sets are practical. Even like you know the scene where. The, the complete it's like the dream ballet when we're running from pig iron and we run through the halls that, and it's just mm -hmm. junky. It's all crappy. And the band is sitting there playing in the hallway. It's like, what? It's really um, ridiculous. <laughs> well, let me just tell you that that was, that was, uh, they told us that was that they were doing a music video for Dillinger that we were oh. going to be in music Dillinger. Like it wasn't even in the script kind of, you know, <laughs> this thing of him chasing us. But when you see him bang his head into the wall, I'm sure that's real. This is a condemned building, by the way. We were, we were like, th this was absolutely Ugh. just, I'm, I'm, you know, it was just an 
it was one step away from demolition, like oh. maybe two, two weeks later, it was going to be totally leveled. So like he really does hit his head through the wall. <laughs> it's not a breakaway wall. He just, you know, he just tapped around to make sure that he wasn't going to hit a stud oh and then just smashed it. Oh my God. Was, yeah. was that guy, was that guy like a professional wrestler or anything? Because he had such a big stature. You'd think that like he was some sort of an athlete of some kind and not just like a random dude that they got for this movie. I think he was a bodybuilder and I swear a to you, I, mean, I, I like he, I, he wanted to be the next Arnold Schwarzenegger is Aww. what I got from him. He was a really sweet guy. I, and, uh, but he talked like this and everything, you know, he, Oh, yeah, wow. and yeah. he sounded like Arnold a little bit, that's but um, gosh, he, but he was, uh, well, that's the other thing is that the, the, you know, there's that one scene where in the very beginning where he's chasing us and we, we see, um, uh, we see Lisa, you know, with her car broken down and so David, you know, makes a right to go over and then pig iron has to change and he runs into the, br to the bridge and then flies into the water, flies into the water. Yep. That's all practical. That oh, was wow. all like, you know, it, it's just quick cuts, but basically he's like, it, yeah, I'll do this. He like, <laughs> they, they sort of figured it out in the moment. He's like, he goes, it doesn't look deep. You know, no one went <laughs> into the water. No one went into the water to go, how deep is this? How canal? deep is this? Oh, yeah. God. And he basically just, um, you know, rode his motorcycle fast to the, to the bridge, stopped it. And then got out, set it up, and then he stood on top of the bridge and just, you know, jumped over and did a flip and landed on his back. He did it one time. That's all he needed to do. Right. It was perfect. He's like, yeah, I can do that. No problem. <laughs> and, and he did that. That guy was a beast. I mean, he uh, cool. on one of our days off, he he somehow convinced me to go work out with him. Oh dear! And day and I could not walk the next day. Oh God! I know. It was oh, terrible. It was Lord. terrible. Now, do you remember how you heard about it? Was it one of those, did your agent pass it down to you or was it one of those things that was in the back of like drama? No, line? no, it was, it was, uh, it was on the breakdowns. And um, at, at this time I did not have a, like a legit agent. I was, I, uh, the, the actors do clever things to, you know, to get work. And, and it was sort of a consortium of actors had pulled their resources and they, created a fictitious agency or management group and they got the breakdowns every day and they wow. said no. so i had to give them you know uh money each month and pictures and resumes and then these actors you know and i would work in that office as well we all would have to it was kind of like you know it was like 200 bucks a month plus you got to work in the office five hours a, a month or something it was very very light lift you yes. know to do that. But, you know, stuffing envelopes and stuff like that. But anyway, yeah. So they, you know, they call up and they say, hey, we want to see Chuck Klausbeier for this, blah, blah, blah. And so I go in and I audition for it. And I, you know, I, I didn't get a chance to read the script or anything like that. I just read the sides. There was no callback. They just, <laughs> they just booked me. And I think, that Richard, I think Richard, Richard and I are the only uh, ones that were uh, from Los Angeles. Everybody else was, was a local. <laughs> Yes, because I did my research and Marianne Mixon, Jennifer Langdon, Blake Pickett, all of those are, they're all Florida girls. They're all yeah. Florida girls. And so I was very, I was like, oh, that, that's really interesting. Just because, I mean, whenever anything's shot out here, I'm, I'm like, oh, you know. 
<laughs> but we do have a lot of like spring breaky type movies that get shot um, out here. I'm sure. I'm sure. For yeah. obvious reasons. Um, yeah. But I find it interesting that this movie came out. So like if you look at this promotional thing here, it says order date 8-20-92, street date 9-10-92. So if this came out in 92, then this was shot sometime 89, 90, something like that. Mm -hmm. But when this came out, this was during the time period that Fort Lauderdale was cracking down on spring break. Mm. Like they were, they were done with spring break. They were done being, you know, assaulted by, you know, noise pollution and people yeah. vomiting on their front steps and, and all of this stuff. And there was this huge controversy where all of these local, you know, authorities wanted to just shut down spring break completely. They didn't want it in Fort Lauderdale. So then it kind of spilled over to other areas like Palm beach and, or, or I'm sorry, West Palm, different areas of Florida. And right. where they, uh, where they were like, oh, we're going to be the next Fort Lauderdale, you know, and yeah, you're like, no, okay. you're not. <laughs> <laughs> but a lot of the bars and the clubs that are in the movie are all gone now. Uh, is Summers on the Beach gone? Oh, it's gone. It's been oh, gone wow. for a while. Yeah, they had, what was great is they had this fabulous article about the sort of the death of all of these clubs, these, these, these spring break, uh, destination right. clubs. Right. And like summers on the beach was the last to go. It was like it, it was, in the nineties. I think we shot this thing in like October or something like that or, or so, November. Wow. So you guys didn't even shoot during spring break. Oh no, that we would have been impossible to shoot during spring break. We wouldn't have, there would have been, you know, all the rowdy vomiting people. Oh, yeah. God. Yeah. No, I can understand that completely. But so let they, me just tell you, it was still popping off in <laughs> October. I mean, like, you know, those wow. parties, that all that was shot uh, there. Or I, I think some of it might have been stock, but I don't think much of it. You know, the like the wet T-shirt contest at, at Summers. Mm -hmm. Oh, know, that's, that's a thing. That that happened, though. That that was, oh, yeah. the, you know, that was there. We were we were there for that. So, I mean, that's, yeah. the, that's the thing is Summers was known for it's you know themes so to speak like it was known for mud wrestling and oil wrestling and oh, yeah. t-shirt contests and contests of any kind because that's how it drew people in and that's how it would draw in all the tourists too because people would come with this like idea that this magical place in florida you know was going to get them right. laid <laughs> and you know and sometimes that was true, I think, probably for people of that age. Um, so my question is, so when you guys get this job, did mm -hmm. you did you know Richard? For, no. Did you, you no. guys just met on set? I met him. I didn't. Yeah, met him, met him in, uh, on set. That was it. Because y'all have a really good rapport and y'all have really good, great chemistry. Like you look like your friends. Like That's genuinely. great. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I, that I, you know, well, thank you is all I can say, really. I mean, because we, we really didn't know each other. I, I mean, you know, I mean, I, I, I think we met, you know, not necessarily like, okay, here's, you know, day one, let's go, we're shooting. I think that we, we arrived there, we checked in the hotel room, there might have been a table read, I don't even remember that, you know, mm, but, mm -hmm. but it, it did happen pretty fast. It was, a, it was a low budget film. Like I said, everything was practical. Every set you saw was was a real it was a real building it was a real it's real water it's real like, <laughs> real pools 
A real, yeah, real pools, uh, the whole nine yards. I mean, that mansion, that yacht, that yacht was off the hook. Wow. Oh my God. Wow. What a crazy, that's, that's insane. But then you see it and you're like, yeah, that's, that's Florida. Like that's, there's Florida's sort of divided into, I mean, I've lived here my whole life. Like mm-hmm. I lived in Los Angeles for six months during a writer's strike. So, you know, oh, wow. that's well, how that works. Yeah, exactly. Like that was like, oh, I'm going to move to LA. And like, as soon as I stepped off that plane, they were like, oh, we're in the middle of a writer's strike. And the... so oh, I basically wow. like locked myself in my apartment, watched Guiding Light and uh, taught myself how to vegan cook at the time, which was very <laughs> popular and important. <laughs> and then I was like, I'm going back to Florida with my tail between my legs. You know? That's, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> So, uh, but so Florida, this town can be cruel. Yeah. <laughs> no, so, no. so Florida's kind of divided into like really trashy, disgusting white trash level of people. Right. Mm-hmm. But then mm-hmm. there's this like upper echelon, big houses, big boats, money, yeah. lots and right. lots and lots of money. Um, did you guys have any script input? Like, did they, or were they pretty much just like, here, this is what you're reading? <laughs> well, you know, for the scenes, like, you know, you said before, there's a lot of dialogue in this, and there was in the original script, but there's also a lot of space where there's no dialogue. Mm-hmm. There's, a, you know, there's, a, of course, you have to have at least one montage. And I think there are a few in here. There's the shopping montage. I love the shopping montage. <laughs> that was a lot. a day. King for yeah. day. I know. I love it. No, I love it. Where she's trying on all the different outfits and you guys are oh. like, buy it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, now I'm a sucker for that kind of stuff. Oh, yeah. It, it was great. I loved her. Blake Blake Pickett was just a delight. So was Marianne. You know, mm-hmm. the, like I, th- those were the two that I, the, the, the two of them and, and, um, and Richard were the three that I, you know, worked with the most, obviously. And um, yeah, they 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 were all just. I loved Mary. It was like you know, it was like this choice of like uh, Mary <laughs> versus uh, Ginger, you know, from Gilligan's Island. The, right. The, the who would you rather or whatever? Yeah. You know, Marianne is just sweet and innocent, and this Marianne, this was sweet and innocent. I mean, you know, at least you uh, that was that was the the impression that she gave. And Blake Pickett is this hottie patati. Oh my God. Gorgeous. And still gorgeous. Like it's crazy. Still gorgeous. Mar- yeah. Marianne is a real estate agent in um my and a city councilman or something, right? Yeah. So I... yeah. yeah. And I yeah. think and I want to say I want to say Miami, but I, I can definitely say it's that area that South Florida area, basically. Did you reach out to either of them? I did. Oh, but did you? And what did people, they say? People don't return phone calls, you know, <laughs> or, or or messages or anything. So I was just like Okay, I guess this. I couldn't find um, I couldn't find Jennifer Langdon anywhere. I know she did some modeling, and that's mm. all I know. Mm. That was it. Yeah, I was like, oh, okay, okay, but gone. So she's probably raising a family somewhere, you know. But like Blake Pickett became a photographer, and she does beautiful photography, absolutely beautiful photography. So I yes, I follow her on all forms of social media, but yeah, she doesn't check messages. <laughs> Yeah. I'm like, eh, it's fine. No, it's nice. I check messages like once every six, eight months, maybe something yeah. like that. Right oh. but. So what was the set like? Was the set like one big party? Um, no, it was it was it was hard work. I mean, <laughs> it really was. It was like, I mean, 
you know, that uh, the way the movie opens with us, with that car, you know, mm -hmm. by the way, that car, they just bought that car there. They, they wanted a convertible. They couldn't find a cheap convertible. So they just cut the roof off of a car, of a Nova. I was wondering about that because I was yeah. like, wow, that car looks like it's seen some stuff. <laughs> yeah, it was super janky. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it was. <laughs> so, so, yeah. So, um, but that scene, you know, as we're driving in and we then and it's it's very long. I mean, it's like a movie for a movie to, you know, begin with that lengthy, lengthy long scene. scene of you guys long, talking long about. Is crazy. Life it's like, laid. <laughs> I don't even. I don't. Even, I, I think maybe someone was in the back seat, but I don't. I don't remember. I mean, we just did it a million times, Ooh. and I, there was probably an open mic, you know, mic somewhere. There, you know, there had to be a follow car or something that 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 had the sound. But but it was kind of like, okay, everything's rolling. All right, go go up there and turn around. You know, just keep driving until the scene's over with, and then turn around. There was um, no act. There was no cut. There was. You know, I think we were doing the clapper. You know, so. Oh, wow. That's so yeah. funny. Yeah. Um, I know that Rentrella, or I think, um, I, I can't remember what her actual, what her name is in Karen, <clears throat> Karen Trella, who played Hope. Oh, yes. I know she became a screenwriter and yes. won like a screenwriting contest and she's awards and all that good uh -huh. stuff. And yes, she also doesn't return emails. But I one of my favorite scenes in that movie it's so silly, but it's the scene where David is like, you know, he breaks the fourth wall, you know, and oh, yeah. he's talking to the, he's just talking to, you know, he's like, God, I hope this movie never ends. You know? Yes. <clears throat> well, you know, let me just say that I, I, I don't know where that first started, but you know, I do that too, where, you know, during this, the photo shoot scene oh, where I say, you know, you women are, are not only beautiful, but so bright too. That's and so then I look bright at the too. And then you look yeah. at the camera. Yeah. yeah. Oh, God. And, but like, I think, I think I did that as a joke <laughs> and then it stayed in. Oh. And I think though, the, like the, the gag with hope where he grabs hope and it's like, <laughs> Hey, you know, I think that was worked out in the set. And I believe I'm not sure, but I believe they were looking at the dailies and going, I don't know about this movie. And they and they thought the best shot was to start making fun of it. Oh, that's interesting. That's what okay. I think. Because wow. the, the fourth wall is very unusual, but it happens like four times in the movie. You know? Yeah, that's kind of I don't know. I think that's why it, it has. I think that's part of its charm. Is that it, the movie has this very much like we're in a movie, we're shooting. Doesn't take itself play. serious. Doesn't yeah, take itself because, seriously. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, uh, you asked about the input. There, there is one thing. Like for the most part, it, it was there was there were those scenes like that giant long scene, which you know, of dialogue, and then the philosophy on the beach thing, and all that kind of stuff. But then there were also things like what happened when we're running from pig iron that is just like, okay, just run down that hallway and, uh, you know, make a left right. or whatever. It, it, just, it just kind of like, you know, rinse and repeat, just, just say monkey see monkey do, Hey, just do this. You know, um, there, there was a lot of that that went on, but the one input that I had was the, you know, the, the movie ends kind of bizarrely where, you know, there's this, this fire on the beach, this party on the beach. And, um, the night before we did that, I wrote a song to, you know, that just encapsulated Lauderdale, Lauderdale Blues. I don't get any credit for it. Oh and I said, to, I said to Maris, I said, 
hey, you know, I would just like to get credit for that movie. And he said, okay. And uh, it didn't happen. Lauder, 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 Lauderdale Blues. Oh, yeah. you're bringing oh, yeah. me back. How crazy is that? Yes. But if you, if you listen to the lyrics and they're not, maybe, well, first of all, here's the other thing. I never did one day of ADR for that film. <laughs> you guys and know. I don't know if anybody else did. So when you hear me singing on the beach, I'm really singing on the beach. Nice. Now that may not be the exact take, right. you know, that I'm saying on the beach that you're hearing with what you're seeing, but it definitely is my voice just captured on the beach. But the, like the lyrics to that song tell the whole story of what happened. You know, I went to, I, I wrote it down because I watched it last night. I went to Lauderdale just to spend me, uh, to spend me a week. I didn't get no action because they say I'm a geek. <laughs> but then I met me a woman, she turned me around and now I'm looking real sharp instead of like a clown. But I done lost my woman. I got Fort Lauderdale blues. <clears throat> we lost all our money. We totaled my car. We met us some girls, but didn't get very far. And now I'm trying to find them because we love them still. And if something can go wrong, it probably will. Got a pig iron chasing us. Fort Lauderdale Blues. <laughs> yeah. So that, one is that was so the great. only input that I had. Yeah. That's <laughs> fabulous. No, that's the best. That's the best story from the set, in my opinion. <laughs> it's really cool. I mean, I thought Dillinger was going to like, I love that song. Oh, yeah. Song is so good. And of course, they play it at the open, they play it in the middle, and they play it at the end. I know. And I'm I'm so glad that now it's on Spotify. So I can like listen to it at my work. I can listen to it at my right. in, when I'm driving. I can listen to it anywhere. I don't have to dig up my old CD, right? Um yeah. but I just I do. I love I love Canopy Love and I absolutely um I love uh uh, I have nothing without you. That's another, that's the love ballad that plays while mm -hmm. you and Marianne are making out and yeah, no, love it. Totally love it. But yeah, no, they're on Facebook for God's sake. <laughs> but like I said, <laughs> nobody checks their messages. <laughs> Cause I'm like, hi, I'm running a podcast. Are they still making music? Yes, absolutely. Wow. And they had a whole thing that they did on Facebook and Instagram where they were like, you know, we're coming out with new stuff and stay tuned. And we're, you know, and I thought this is a perfect opportunity to have them on the show. And it's, right, right, right. I was like, yeah. like never mind. <laughs> so yes, you're, you and, you and Hesh are the only ones that <laughs> they return any calls. <laughs> I was like, cool. I have the screenwriter and the actor. Okay. So since this, because obviously it's been 30 years, have, did yeah. you guys keep in touch with anybody from the from the movie or we all just y'all just went your separate ways? We all went our separate ways. I, I never I, I haven't spoken to anybody. I, actually, that's not entirely true. Um, Marianne came out to L.A. one time and we connected out here. Oh, and, that's awesome. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it was great. But um, but uh, uh, apart from that, no. No one from from the film did we stay in touch or with me anyway. Yeah, because I can't find I cannot find anything on Richard at all. Mm -hmm. I mean nothing, nada, nothing. And I was like, I mean, I saw a little bit about that he had gotten into uh, film music, like he was doing mm -hmm. music for a film. That's it. No social media presence. Yeah. Nothing of anywhere. And I was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's too bad. Well, um, I, I well, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Absolutely. I was going to ask you: Are you have you ever heard of a movie called The Road to Flin Flon? Uh, no, no, I haven't. 
but that's that that movie came after this movie but that's okay. another movie that i star in i i only star in movies that go you know that that, <laughs> that, don't have, that have very 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 tiny release uh releases you know it's uh, ridiculous that ends up on podcasts that are that run from florida yeah. oh, are you kidding me <laughs> when you reached out i was like wow i don't even know if i can remember but like seeing the movie last night oh my gosh everything came back i was oh, like that's so cool yeah that's it, was, so cool. It, was, it was it was fun and i was like and you know and what's so funny is that like my hair first of all that mullet i'm rocking a mullet for crying yeah out but you got you all both of you you guys look so good in it and there's i mean i i watched a lot of b movies back in the day like i mean i i saw you see the same rotating actors over and over again you know and you're Uh like oh this is where they play themselves you know but you guys were unique enough and interesting enough that it held that movie like it kept it from being just you know giggle and jiggle it just it it was like oh it's it's an elevated it's an elevated giggle and jiggle film. <laughs> the Road to Flin Flon is a is a movie that that I think is is uh, is is good. It's 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 not it's not a jiggle and giggle. It's uh, basically the story is a a, a, a musician in L.A. I, he's like mid thirties and he's uh, he's just tired of the business. He uh, you know his girlfriend's left him. Uh, every song he writes, somebody steals. He can't get ahead in the business, and so he decides to give it all up and he's going to move to Manitoba you know, Flynn Flon, Manitoba and work with the Inuit people to do social work. He just decides to do that. And on his way out of town, he goes to a party, he meets a girl and he plays a song and a producer, you know, like says, hey, uh, I really like that song. How about we talk? You know, here's my card. It was actually Jamie Kennedy's very first movie. He ah! plays my cousin in it. Yeah. Oh my God. I want to see this. Okay. Where can I, is this streaming anywhere? Can oh, I, if, I'm asking, I'm, I'm bringing it up because I want you to use your special skills to find this movie. So. <laughs> can I rent it? Yeah, I know. That's so, I don't crazy. think you can. I don't think it got any release. And so, so you did this after Canopy Love. Yes. And, and then, okay. And did you do this before Unnameable 2 or same? time period Doesn't no i think it was after unnameable two as well yeah okay. okay yeah and then how on god's green earth did you make a transition from being an actor to being a producer basically and then a <laughs> podcaster and all and and mike rose bestie like how does all of that happen well the the, the mike rose bestie was the first thing because oh. we went to high school together so oh that's awesome yeah okay. yeah so we, we went to high school together but um uh, I, I just sort of rode the horse in the direction it was running where I, I was getting the most work I was getting that was paying the most was, uh, doing commercials, mainly voiceovers. I was just, you know, killing it in voiceovers and, uh, and, you know, and it's, it's not even the glorious, uh, voiceovers, you know, like, I mean, I did a couple of games, like I'm uh, Raphael in Soul Calibur, but I don't know how, you know, up to seven or something like that. And, uh, you know, I've, I've done, uh, a few games, uh, but, but I, I did very little animation, very, very few games and mainly just commercials, you know, but made a great living. And the, you know, I also produced, uh, some theater here in LA produced a movie. There's another one. Are you familiar with, um, stump the band? I've actually heard of that, but I've never seen it. Okay. I have 
no idea where I've heard it. So I can't. I, I will send you a copy of Stump the Band because that does oh. exist on DVD. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I will send you a copy of Stump the Band. And um, and I know everybody associated with that. It's a really ridiculous, ridiculous film. Robbie Rist. Do you know who Robbie Rist is? I do know who Robbie Rist is. Okay. Yes. Uh-huh. So Robbie Rist, you know, I've I've known Robbie for many years. Um uh, and uh, he he put up fifty thousand dollars to make this movie, oh. and I'll tell you, it doesn't look like fifty thousand. It looks a lot better than fifty thousand dollars. Oh wow! But uh, but I'm in it. I'm not the lead, but uh, it's basically about an all uh, all girl punk rock band that goes on tour, crosses paths with a homicidal maniac with a foot fetish who likes to cut off the feet of beautiful women. That's why it's called. Stump. Okay, you. No. I mean, you pretty much just my boyfriend somewhere in where he lives his head uh-huh. just exploded okay yeah that's gonna that's gonna rock his world oh, You're gonna oh yeah my my boyfriend used to take like used to take pictures of my feet at like aa meetings <laughs> and then send them to me while we were in the aa meeting like he'd be like oh hey <laughs> and i'd be like what's wrong with you <laughs> like this before we were dating this way before oh. we were dating wow that's that's like his opening move come on i know i was like jesus how long have you been with this guy oh almost seven years i think oh that's great yeah yeah no he's he's wonderful but yes he is he's he is a just his his stuff is just bananas it's really funny because like i have introduced him to so much horror stuff because he was not a horror fan before he met me and i got him into italian horror and got him into a lot of the stuff that like he has gotten into now but yeah he's i mean i show him like a really crazy insane plot and he's like that sounds amazing (laughs) (laughs) so yeah all you had to say was foot fetish (laughs) horror movie oh my god all girl band and it's Somewhere. super cheeky, man. I'm telling you, oh. it's super cheeky. It's a lot of fun. I think it's going to be right up your alley. You're going to okay. really. That's, it sounds like it. It really does. I think, I like think uh, the uh, the road to Flynn Flan might be a little bit more earnest than oh. than what you really like, but but it's very sweet. Well, and, I, I love Garden State, so that should okay. tell you something. Oh, no. I mean, my, my favorite movie of all time is Amadeus. And yeah. my second favorite is um, is the Paper Chase, and I love and I, I absolutely um, love all the President's Men, and I'm I'm just a cinephile in general. This is yeah. just kind of the niche that I found myself in, <laughs> you know. Like literally, what it was was two people. One person was like, "Man, I really can't find out the the band I like, the incredibly obscure punk band from the '70s and '80s did a did some." beach movie back in the day and of course i'm like i'm going to find this film you know and it turns out it was hard bodies oh so i started talking to this person and i said why don't we why don't we make a podcast so we can talk about hard bodies and that turned into like jaws 3 and all these really weird i actually heard jaws 3 i I listened to that like and it turned into the the Ted Lasso of podcasts. It turned into this place where people could come and share their love and their reverence and their respect for these movies that mm-hmm. 
don't normally get a fair shake. I mean, there are hundreds of podcasts that make fun of all of the films that I just listed, <laughs> but there's very few where we're where people are like, "Oh, I saw that movie when I was a kid," or right. "I met my wife on the set of that film," or right. you know, and so yeah, it just became a thing. And and so people are people automatically assume they're like, oh yeah, she's she's into like all weird movies and that's all she watches. And I'm like, Dude, I'm no, you like, love I love all movies. I do, I absolutely do. I um I'm a classically trained opera singer, so I adore like, musicals and I I love you know Victor Victoria and oh you know, yeah, you know, all the stuff I grew up with. Oh, that, that's, that's so a, cool. That's yeah. Well, Chuck, think. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. First of all, thank you for being so patient with the, with the scheduling. I I was talking to, and I know you understand this as a podcaster that sure. the biggest thing that I have to deal with as a podcaster is schedules. And it's so yes. funny because if I had a dollar for every time I got the email of like, oh no, this has happened, or um my my computer has to uh update because. <laughs> Because uh, I haven't turned it on in a while, and now Zoom is updating. Do you want to reschedule? And I was like, I want to reschedule. It's cool. I, I like I said, I, I would rather deal with those types of issues than mm -hmm. the egos, the egocentric actor stuff that you deal with when you're trying to book uh, interviews or you're trying to book yeah. any of that kind of stuff. And you have been. So such a mensch like just to be able to like have that rapport back and forth via email and know it was like oh this is happening you know? oh yeah no no i was i was still i'm like wait a minute i still haven't received this thing is this really happening you right know, but, they're like oh yeah, that's so, crazy but no, no i gratefully appreciate that okay well if somebody wants to follow you on social media <laughs> Where can they follow you on social media? <laughs> they can follow. They can follow what I've what I've done two, right. two, or, two or three years ago because I, I I hardly ever update it. I mean, you, you can you can follow me uh, at at Chuck Meets World on Instagram. Um, you can you can hear me every week at least once a week on the way I heard it with Mike Grow because um, you know I produce that, but I'm but I'm also there, you know, kind of like a Jamie is for for Joe Rogan. Um and uh, Jamie, yeah, cue it, it up. What's that? Jamie, cue it up. Yes, Jamie, cue it up. Bring it right. up. Yeah, only I'm not as competent as Jamie. <laughs> Mike is constantly threatening to fire me. I mean, just at, like every week, he's like, "God, there's, there's actually that's actually on videotape from this this one thing where we were having a conversation at a shoot and and I got a phone call and you know he's telling me what I think we should do is I said, excuse me and I answered the phone and he goes. Oh, God, I can't wait to fire you. <laughs> but of course, he he's he he won't fire me because we've just been. If he did, it would be fine. You know what I mean? Because right. like I, I I've known him, gosh, for 40, 40 years. Yeah, so crazy. that's so cool. Yeah, I didn't know which came first. Like I didn't know if you became his producer first and then y'all became besties. Or that's so awesome that y'all went to high school together. That's that's fantastic. Yeah, and like twenty years ago, because I like I'm working as a freelance, you know, actor and everything. And twenty years ago. Uh, he was doing something for Kimberly Clark and he's like, I got this idea, you know, they hired me to to do some videos for them and I got this idea and I need somebody to play off of. And I came in and did it. And it was like, I mean, it was just like high school. We could finish each other's sentences in high school. You know, we could, we would set up jokes. We would, we play this game called snaps and we blow people's minds. It's just great, you know, just crazy stuff. And, 
And so, uh, so I did that. And then he just kept calling. It was like Ford and then, you know, Caterpillar and all these companies, you know, that he was doing stuff with. And I wound up working with him on it. And then about eight years ago, the president of his company said, Hey, you know, you've worked with us a lot. Why don't you come work for us? Cause we're going to do this podcast and then you might be good on it. I said, okay. So, that is so awesome. Okay. Great question. Where can people find the podcast? Cause I know up until a week ago, no one could find us unless they were on Spotify. <laughs> <laughs> is that right we just got on itunes oh they, good they, oh yeah 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 oh they, yeah they finally returned my phone call and we are on itunes we are <laughs> official because yeah because i saw you on itunes yeah okay see? well um yeah you can you can see us on itunes you can see us on um spotify or or hear us not not see us but um uh, anywhere, you know, Stitcher, any any place you can get a podcast, you should be able to get the way I heard it with Micro. Fantastic. Yeah. And as usual, if you'd like to follow Manic Movie Monday on Instagram, you certainly can, as well as Facebook. I am no longer on Twitter because it is a cesspool. But you can absolutely follow us on Instagram as well as Facebook. Both me and Hillary are on there answering your questions anytime. And as usual, stay manic, my lovelies. <laughs>